Welcome to Blind Shovel, an arts and music podcast. Today I had the pleasure of sitting down with illustrator McKay Felt. Enjoy. So, not much, man. Just sitting at my desk right now. <laughs> happy you figured this out. Yeah, you're always happy. You seem like a very happy dude. I guess so. Like you're smiling right now. Probably, yeah. I am smiling, actually. I'm looking at myself. I got a little mirror thing here. I, I think I am smiling. <laughs> but it's not, I mean, you know, we have a full range of emotions over here. But yeah. You got the whole, you got the I, whole I am thing. a cheery demeanor, yeah. I I, I uh, came prepackaged with the whole, you know, the whole emotion pack. Really, really, really. yeah. How are you? Do you, have, doing, you have any siblings? <laughs> yes, I do. Um, I have three siblings. So I'm the youngest of four. Oh, you're the youngest, like me. Yes, you are. How many do you have siblings? Then I'm assuming. I must. I have <laughs> four four older brothers. Oh, okay. Oh, geez. Okay, I have one one older brother and uh, two older sisters. My brother's the oldest, but are you all just happy? Uh, no, but I think it's I think it's like semi common for uh, some people to come from. So, like being from Utah originally, I think people have kind of a cheery demeanor out there. I guess, but I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean that's what uh, that's what stood out to me meeting you the other day that you were. You know, because artists, you know, they're not always cheerful. No, definitely. And and that's where I guess that's where I like joke about the whole emotion pack, because while I can be like cheerful, I think I do spend a surprising amount of time thinking about non-cheerful things, too. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. I don't want to belittle you because I feel like sometimes it's insulting to imply that someone's just happy or no, but you I know. mean, I guess that's the, uh, I, I would assume that would be some kind of a goal thing, right? To be just kind of semi-content. So I, I really shouldn't be, have any kind of uh, contingency. Well, do you like, when you look at your art that you make, do you like it? Like immediately? I do. So um, that's, yeah, that's pretty unique too. Well, well, okay. So I, I like it in as much as like I'm making it, I enjoy it to a certain degree. Like I've always had, like when I look at a drawing, I'll see what I need to improve on or you know what I mean? There's like an inherent level of dissatisfaction, right? I, I think my ratio is like I'm satisfied enough to keep drawing and I'm dissatisfied enough to also keep drawing. Better. If that makes sense. Yes. No, no it totally makes sense. <laughs> it's, it's the it's the equation that's necessary. Like you you can't be oversatisfied and you can't be so distraught you don't pick up a pen you know, and do it. Exactly. exactly. So how is it that you, first off, you, do you like Paul Pope? So I, I do like Paul Pope. I actually didn't find his work until I was like 24, maybe so 2014, 2015. But I saw like, when I saw his work, I felt like a kinship to his lines. Right. Yeah. His lines. That's what I'm thinking. But so commercially speaking, you seem to be doing a lot of like, R and B and rap design yes. and 
That's a pretty fascinating and I'm sure that's very fun career. But how did you get into that? You just you just started drawing. I assume you listened to these things primarily, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, like I've always enjoyed music my whole life. So it's just like, you know, growing up listening to as much stuff as I could get my hands on. And then um, it was actually at my first year at university. I went to Camberwell College of Art and the University of the Arts London umbrella. Um, and we had a project where we had to create, a like a 10 year anniversary kind of packaging thing for this label. And they yeah. gave us a list of labels, um, to choose from. And, uh, it was like a group project and brain feeder was on there, which I don't know how familiar you are with them. Um, I'm not. Okay, it's a it's a label started by this artist named Flying Lotus. Um, oh, okay, so it's I know kind who that of, is. Yeah, it's kind of this like avant-garde electronic uh, jazz hip hop label. It's kind of nice because it's hard to put it in like a confined box. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I recognized this label on the on the list, and I was kind of surprised that the school gave us one. I was like, oh man, they're not like you know, the biggest thing right now. So it was kind of sick. And so I was like, okay, yeah, let me choose this. Um, we made a thing, basically long story short, I posted some progress, uh, pictures of what I was working on and, uh, flying Lotus got in contact with me and who's like, Hey man, let's, uh, let's make this a real thing. And, um, let's, I don't know, do some art together. So he had me do like, a a couple tour posters and that's really what kicked it off. And that was back in like 2014. Wow. So one of those school projects actually paid off. I feel like that's a very typical illustration program project. And uh, it's cool that it actually immediately put you where you wanted to be. Yeah. And it was really bizarre. I think the thing too was like, it just felt so natural. Cause then once they came out to London, I went to one of their shows and ended up meeting up with them and just clicking like friends wise and just like interests. And, you know, I obviously like really respected their music and their exploration is like artists and like their technical capabilities too. So it was, it was just a really funny, like random experience that like led somewhere fun. (laughs) So you immediately, that's like pretty fortunate and wonderful that you immediately went from school to doing the work you wanted to do. Is that, is that right? Yeah, no, definitely. And, um, I don't know if I even necessarily had a plan. Like I wanted to do that in general. I just, like I said, I always enjoyed it and I knew I wanted to do illustration. I didn't know what was going to happen. And then, yeah, luckily that project came in. So then the rest of my time at uni, I was also doing professional work. So part of me sometimes is like, I wasn't happy with my final project. You know, there's like a few things where I'm like, Oh man, my schoolwork fell behind, but (laughs) where i needed to go so yeah i wouldn't worry about that in this context so you actually hang out within that scene as well so it's it's holistic like that yeah definitely well um what so as my student visa ran out um i had to come back to the states and i had been doing stuff with them for a couple years at that point and just like talking online and uh yeah lotus was like you should come out to la and so I looked at stuff out here and I was like, all right. And so then I moved out here in like 2017 and oh, then, wow. yeah. So I've, I've hung out with those guys out here and it's just been like a really great 
like community of just I don't know making stuff and just I don't know mayhem you know <laughs> yeah 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 so you went from Utah to England to LA is that is that yes. accurate yeah that's pretty fascinating and how did you get this name that's your real <laughs> my name my parents yes <laughs> they made well, the decision for what me. were they thinking um that's a good question uh i th- i think they had a couple other names before mckay like i don't think that was their first choice um and mckay i i can't i think it's like a scottish name originally irish too there's like variations of it in irish and scottish but it was uh a name that wasn't super popular but i guess floated around in like utah culture as like a surname from just kind of like uk immigrants you know that came and walked across the whole country in the 1800s um so yeah for whatever reason that was on their docket and uh they chose that mckay felt yes that's unique thank you what's the what's the uh, etymology of your last name just olives, you know, olive trees. Yeah. Somebody, yes. out, somebody out there was messing around with olives for sure. <laughs> They're like, man, this guy really likes olives. Yeah, yeah. It had to be something. I mean, maybe you, I don't know. Felt, felt uh, is an interesting one. Yeah, but that one actually, if I remember right, I think that was from like Scandinavia somewhere. Like I want to say like Norway or Sweden, and he came over, and then like at Ellis Island or something, they were like, I think it was Fedelt or something uh, yeah yeah and they were like yeah we're gonna take that d out we can just say felt all right so that's how you get there yeah so it looks like you worked on this crazy cat head oh uh the 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 thundercats cat head is that like a peak career um, peak? it's pretty wild yeah no it's pretty wild i guess i yeah i mean if you want to look at it that way yeah i think it was fun i think my I don't necessarily look at it as such as peaks and valleys or maybe there is, I don't know, man, it was basically (laughs) just random and it was fun and I hadn't done that yet. And we were, we've been pretty good friends at this point. We've been hanging out for a few years and stuff. So we, yeah, he was, I was in London. I think I was actually a part of an exhibition at the Victoria and Albert museum. And, um, his team hit me up while I was out there and they're like, we need a cat head, the stage design, like, tomorrow and so uh i drew it up real quick and their fabrications team made it and they 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 did an amazing job yeah i guess now i'm thinking about it like the involvement from your end it's mostly a fabrication job because i 100 yeah i do fabrication and looking at that i'm like wow that's that's quite nice Um, yeah it's split into like three parts and yeah 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 no it was great it's so fascinating to me that you're you're just within that scene based on almost the recommendation of a teacher in, in respect to the label. It's a, that's such a strange trajectory. I rarely hear about something so quick and clean in a sense, you know? Yeah. I'm not trying to minimize the accomplishment. It just seems no, really, not at all. really aligned. Listen, I'm baffled as well. Like I, uh, for a long time I was just like, what's going on? Like is, I thought like, I was like, I, I enjoy drawing and I like myself, but I don't, it wasn't like matching up. You know, I had kind of that imposter syndrome stuff, which frankly I still have to a certain degree, but like, 
Yeah, no, very lucky, very bizarre. And just, I think it's been great to meet a lot of different musicians and I feel like Neve and how I met you guys, like that's like my small pocket of like visual artist friends out here. I feel like the majority of the people I see do do stuff in music. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, yeah, it's fun to have someone who kind of just sonically creates and have that kind of feed you next. Like when you're standing next to it, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. No, they're different energies. A lot of artists, visual artists, especially illustrators, seem to live off of music in terms yeah. of the fuel. Definitely. But what I've loved about like being out in LA and, you know, um, Neve, I actually met him before I found my spot out here. We had talked online and um, I was staying with a friend out here. I was kind of scoping out apartments and we uh, met up he came and picked me up and we went to a cafe and just started drawing. And then I think that was back in like 2017, 2016 or something. And, um, yeah. So it's just been like meeting friends out here, you know, Jesse and everybody since like Jesse Balmer, I feel like whenever I see his drawings, I'm like, Oh my God, (laughs) I need to level up. Yeah, I get it. (laughs) Do you enjoy living in LA? It's been what five, six years. That's, yeah, it's a good, good amount of time. It's enough for you to kind of say something about it, you know, with no. some certainty. Yeah, I would say I enjoy it now. Like I like the people are very nice. I think I understand the city more. You hear like a lot of people talk about the more industry side of L.A. and they'll be like, oh, you know, have their complaints. But I feel yeah. like if you really look at it as like just an actual place in the communities and you don't focus on that stuff, it's it's really nice. But I would say it's a little bit sleepy for me because I grew up in kind of a suburbia type situation. So I felt like London was like very engaging for me and kind of like lit my brain on fire. And so like coming back to like a suburban area has kind of made it a little bit sleepy for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what's nice? The- What's the, what's the daily situation? Like, are you working? I saw you sent me this comic over. How much time do you get for personal work? Not too much. Um, right now, it's been pretty busy with uh, freelance work for just like music projects. I've been working on um, this hip hop show with Bandcamp for the past couple of years. So it's like every other week I'll do an illustration for their hip hop show. Um, That's cool. Yeah, it's kind of coming out of Oakland and uh Yeah, so that's like a regular thing. That's that's like the most regular gig I've had the whole time as an illustrator, which is nice, but um so I've got like that going on and then other artist stuff and then I've my projects that I want to finish and adult life that you have to take care of your corporal vessel, you know? Yeah, how do you do that? beats me i uh seems like breaking things down into small tasks and keeping somewhat of a schedule you know oh yeah yeah yeah. do you do you write your schedule down the day no. before the day after no you just want to no yeah i've had time periods when i was younger where i was like super rigid with my scheduling and it was it was cool it was something it was nice and uh but I feel like I had a bit of a pendulum swing and then I went super disorganized, no schedule, all of this stuff. And that had its perks and 
cons and do you think I feel like I'm finding the balance right now. Sure. It's always going to be like that, but do you think the art looks any different in those phases? Yes. I would say, uh, earlier, my earlier work would be a lot more tighter, like clean line work. Um, so of course yeah. when you're yeah. organized, it's tight. I would think so. Well, but that being said, if I'm disorganized, I like, I can still make a tight drawing. You know what I mean? I, but it's, I think sure, just, sure. just in the personal work. Yeah. Seeing the like energy of the art that you make, it's, it's a little bit different. Totally. I mean, some people have it inverted, right? If they're super orderly in their life, they put out crazy, weird, sloppy paintings. Some people right. are just, you know, more aligned. Like if they're organized, the stuff's going to be tight. Um, yeah, I'm thinking about my own work. Sometimes I'm, I don't know what that, that cycle is in terms yeah, of like loose or tight. It's, you have know, from, you, do you have a default? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's a good question. Um, I don't know if I believe in it. Like, I believe in an essence, and I think that essence can take many forms. Yeah. And if there, if your essence is potent enough, interesting enough, then you don't really need to worry too much later in life when you're like in your thirties drawing. Yeah. Um, if you haven't cultivated that, you're kind of always going to use style to hide how boring mm -hmm. the ideas or work are. Right. But the essence question's hard because, you know, I think even about being a good person, morally speaking, like I never quite grasped what it meant to be yourself. Um, I don't know if that means like just follow your impulses and do whatever you're feeling emotionally. Yeah. Like that doesn't make sense to me. Like you should be you know, you should understand your essence and nature, but you're refining that thing. So there's plenty of times I make a drawing and I don't see what I, or I don't like what I see in the mirror in essence, you know? And, sure. Um, I try to fight myself in that sense. Like if I make a super tight illustration, I'm probably going to make a really quick and loose personal thing. Yeah. And the best way to talk about it is like a diet. No, I, I feel like I'm very similar to that where it's, it's almost like, yeah, a diet or like it's certain itches you have to scratch, you know, and they kind of, yeah, you bounce around. No, I, I definitely see that. I, and I think that's something that is really difficult. And I could imagine maybe being difficult for a younger person, like trying to be an artist right now, I think just with the level of like social media which sharing art you know i think there's like a lot of emphasis on like the shell of the artwork like how can i make this as cool or as grabby as possible but they forget to put in the internal organs you know um yeah well yeah. to be fair i don't think they have much to put in you know like uh when you're 20 for some no, that's reason fair. You, that's fair yeah yeah for, people think that 20 year olds think everyone should know what they're on about but as you get older, you realize how completely vapid and uninteresting and, and <laughs> yes. you know, usually conformed the, the opinion you have when you're 20 is, despite you thinking the opposite. Yeah. Uh, so you think about artists in the past, they weren't relevant until they were much older often and had gone to war or had some like crazy disease and had families like this idea of a career artist. And the mm -hmm. way we see it now, where you're kind of building it up from college 
and then you're getting like sexy in your 20s and trying to sell that with the art yeah right this is more like a fashion model trajectory it's almost musical in the sense of like musicians have a similar problem i would say like there's uh, a lot invested in the persona yeah and you should with the art you're gonna want to be attractive to some degree i think especially as a musician um because instagram is a visual format and and obviously art is too but but that was the beauty of back in the day i feel like you could and then of course i'm not like i'm comparing and contrasting to some degree but i'm not saying one is better than the other but it's like comparatively back in the day you could be this super hideous old dude and hide in your house in the woods and (laughs) display artworks and hopefully have that travel around and it doesn't really matter nobody really cares what you look like yeah there's less to sell there there's just the work now you can be leveraging so many components of your personality etc you know i was uncomfortable with it for so long like i used to put a drawing on tumblr every day for like three four years and that helped me you know keep the pressure on develop a rigor and then i just you know life changed and i found other ways of making money related to art that I didn't need to show. And yeah. um because illustration's much more of a hustle than uh design work or fabrication. Like those things are like you can get work almost anywhere. Is that mainly what you do career wise? Design work and fabrication? Well it's hard to talk about what I do. I also run an art center so I like curate and program that. I used to run a gallery. Um, oh cool. And I do a lot of design for that stuff. And then I do a lot of furniture design and store build outs. But, um, you know, my whole thing was I always wanted to expand beyond being an illustrator because I wanted the challenges of stepping into real business, you know, mm. like, um, and, and learning to negotiate. I mean, it's definitely exhausting. It's much more of a human life than a, you know, the art life I used to live where I would hide out for, most yeah. of my time and draw no it definitely is and I, I i mean i can sympathize with that to a certain degree in that like i'm do all of my business stuff I, like i don't have a manager or agency or anything so i have to i've noticed that i was a little bit it took less of a mental shift for me to do that a little bit a, a while ago but i feel mm-hmm. like now i'm noticing the difference uh, it's getting a little bit tougher to do uh business the deeper i try to go in the other part you mean like the relationship between because art art is you get lost in that art world and it's not something that's so um rigid or predictable in terms yeah. of time. yeah in terms of time in terms of two i feel like there's this like coyness i guess if i'm trying to okay let's see if i can say this uh, like in terms of like if you're sitting in a chair or thinking or have your sketchbook out daydreaming i don't know there's like this that like almost like walking in a forest and like watching animals or whatever and not trying to interact with them there's almost like this softness or coyness that you can kind of have where or maybe like you said it's not something like rigid or time based you know and then mm-hmm. coming out into the business world it's very like you need to be confident. You need to say this. You need to decide this, this, you know, it's just very like assertive and abrasive. So it's kind of like a swap between that, like kind yeah, of yeah. listlessness to like an aggressive, <laughs> like it's war. Yeah. You know, it's it's, it's like obviously sublimated, but 
because real war is far more brutal. But definitely, that's. Uh, do you find that like? Do you? How? What's your experience like with those two worlds? Uh, yeah. Well, I think probably both of us and many people of this nature have to live in kind of like a schizo (laughs) mode. And um, I struggle with the balance at times, you know, like the personal work dropped off a little bit this year, but I'm learning more lessons probably in the other realm, you know, the business realm and just the work realm. Yeah. So I'm not opposed to it because my intent is to grow into an adult and have kids and you know, take on responsibilities that I I didn't think I would in in my twenties, but you know, I don't think our generation is that, that good at acknowledging sacrifices. And so we'd really try to like get everything from both sides at all times. Yeah. Um, and I think we're all like, I, I can see that in myself at times because, you know, there's definitely a sacrifice I used to make really weird comics that were borderline, you know, they sold pretty well, but it's not like you can make a living off them unless you're, unless you live like a, like a scumbag. (laughs) For real. I don't mean morally, but just like, no, yeah. Situationally, you have to make a lot of sacrifices and that's fun at the time. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, switching between the two is really hard. Fortunately, I think I can get into concentrated states of making pretty quick otherwise i'd be driven insane and i think illustration kind of taught me that but Mm -hmm. but i think it it's kind of confusing for the people around me at times like me trying to switch in and out of these roles Um, (laughs) it's hard for me to yeah yeah it's just schizo it really is yeah it it almost brings me reassurance to hear you say that though because I feel like oftentimes I feel like I'm not fully in either world that I want to be. Do you know what I mean? You kind of feel like you go, you walk a little bit further down the path and someone's like, Hey, no, come over here. You got to come back. And then you go to them and then they're like, no, come back. And so you're kind of in this back and forth of walking between. Yeah. There's this article that I I think it's called manager versus maker time. And in the short, it's just like, Makers need about like four to six hours blocked on undisturbed time to get anything out of them, you know, yeah, the process. Yeah. And then manager time is like 15 minute meetings all day, left and right. And unfortunately, I'm, I'm probably skewing more towards manager time at the moment. Like I have to yeah. meet people all the time. So I'm trying to impose this structure a little more rigidly because I think unless you have discipline, you kind of end up losing it all. Um, yes. And... You know, I might just need to sleep less hours, although I enjoy sleeping. It's just like, you know, I don't even have a kid yet. You know, I'm so uh, impressed by people with kids who keep being prolific. No, I mean, talk about like sacrifice or like a a struggle to like maintain something beyond just looking after the child. Cause I feel like I've got a little puppy and well, I guess he's not a puppy anymore. He's like four years old, but the amount of like, time or like attention that I just like gave to him. I was like, man, I really don't know if I could do a whole child. Cause I feel like I would put like my entire attention on the kid. I feel like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to go as, as deep maybe, but that could just be me uh, thinking about it. Not really knowing my experience. 
Well, yeah, and it's almost a wish for sociopathy. Like, and by that I mean, there's some like weird dark temptation to be like, oh, I could have a kid and just not care, and then like keep focusing yes. on and then care when I want. But <laughs> right, it's pretty much not. It's definitely not how it works. No, yeah. If I were to imagine being the child, I don't know if I would want my father to be in that kind of a mentality. No, I mean, I think it's cool to have a. I mean. I don't know what it would be like. My father's pretty well-rounded. He wasn't like an extreme, extreme dude who was just like, you know, Elon Musk, like 11 kids or something like in one hand, right. it's, it's like, he's a, he's a fascinating persona, but I don't know if he's, I don't know. You know, I don't know the dude, but I don't know if he's a good father per se. It sounds sure. Sounds pretty unlikely if you have that many kids, but Do you feel like there is a, well, I guess I don't know this from because we haven't had too many conversations before this. <laughs> do you feel like there is like, a, do you feel a moral obligation to like really immerse yourself in your adulthood, have a family, have a child? And yeah. does that like compete with an artist? Does one feel more fulfilling to you or does, can they yeah. coexist? I mean, I feel a moral obligation to in everything except art. You know, like that's the one place I don't think I don't think art and morality have anything to do with each other personally. Yeah. But I do think everything outside of that, I'm very moralistic about my own behavior. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I do feel that there is a moral obligation for your life to evolve and change and and for you to take on more responsibility. Um, and I do think there's a, a wild tension there. You know, a lot of people I interview for this podcast that is one of the focus I, I try to go towards is people with kids or newborns and, and how that yeah. affected their process. And typically probably because humans skew towards optimism. Yeah. At least in practice, like I think they just say, you know, it just makes your time super precious. You don't fuck around. And that's what I've heard as well. Yeah. It, it almost like, provide like a more fuel or like a bigger fire underneath you to be like, all right, well, I've got a little human to take care of. Let me really do my shit. Like, <laughs> you know, no, there's a, there's a, your backs against the wall in all ways. And I think some people that probably crushes, frankly. So some yeah. people it probably brings out the best and, you know, but what I did when I first started thinking about, it, I just kept looking up really good artists and then, seeing if they had kids and then further seeing if they actually took care of those kids, like trying to understand. Oh man. Yeah. I'm sure there's a way to do it. You know what I mean? I don't think it needs to be exclusive. I feel like just, I've got a lot of nieces and nephews and I think it's hilarious when I visit like home, just as the mentality of kids. And I think as an artist, like having one, I think I would be really interested too in just like, how you can not shape the kid's mind. Cause I think that's a little bit too like manipulative. You know what I mean? But like just creating like this space for it. Um, I think what I'm trying to get at is like, I want to have a kid and, <laughs> and try and raise them in a healthy way, that, like outside of all of these social uh, systems that we've set up. Like I want to have a little alien baby and see what they yeah. bring out. That's a fantasy because uh, you see real quick, like how impossible that is. It is. It's like it's a, it, that's an act to of physically aggression. survive. Like, no, no, you just it's just an act of e extreme aggression to try to create that separation. You know, it's like 
it's fair to say that I think each time period has its social problems and technological problems and people still had kids and kind of dealt with it. Yeah. But, you know, some try to run off and like keep their kids in a house for 18 years or something that doesn't work either. Oh no. A hundred percent. The thing is they meet their peers and their peers are part of the society and those people influence them just as much as their parents. So, right. You know, I think about it. It's a the lot. inescapability of being like a social primate. <laughs> it's like you're sure you're like damned to like participate in everything. It doesn't necessarily need to be damned, but you know what I mean. You're you're forced to kind of no, I'm, you're I'm biologically wired. You have to accept the tragedy of all times. You know, like uh, I think modern people think they can escape that tragedy yeah. by being distracted or consuming and avoiding it but like yeah there's yeah. a there's a tragic element to everything that's worth doing i think and kids included so you know i get why it's kind of people avoid doing it as well um, yeah for me i was always trying to figure out if making art could satiate the part of yourself that making a kid you know fulfilled for people and in the final assessment, after having looked at it and talked to parents, I don't think, I don't think they're the same thing. They probably yeah. have a similar impulse, but they're completely different. Um, and yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's, you know, I just try to remember one, everyone, no matter the most efficient people, like if you look at their day, they probably waste a couple hours here and there. Oh Yeah. You know, and and that's, you know, and then you look at the past and like the amount of time people had to make art probably wasn't even that much. So they just really got after it when they could. Right. And I feel like we're so primed for like just hyper efficiency and uh, trying to do as much as we can before we either die or like, you know, fall out of relevance or however you're trying to frame wherever you're coming from. But it's like. I think with you, it's like the, the time pressures are very interesting. Cause I would, I don't know. I think it's just that the type of art is very, uh, it's a different spirit in it, I guess. Just like you said, there wasn't a rush for quantity and you could really dive into something. I don't know. I think about like, uh, sometimes like Egon Sheila's art or whatever, like he died when he was what? 28, I think. Yeah, just fucking all the time. Yeah, and just like uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't know how much he fucked or not, but oh, I think uh, he's, I think he was fucking all the time. That's oh, all sure. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I hope he had a great time. I uh, think he did because he wasn't around for a long time. You know, um, damn, he died from the Spanish flu. Yeah, twenty eight. Yes, and so it's it's like it's very bizarre to look at some artist's life back then in the body of work that they make in just a short span of years. And I think there's a temptation to blame like your surroundings as well. Like, Oh, if I was in another time period or a different city or a different country or like this and that, maybe my output would be, you know, X or sure, Y. Sure, sure. So. No, I mean, I, I love efficiency, but like when I use that word, there's a, there's a, I'm not talking like a machine, right. but I am talking, you know, like I do think there's a moral obligation to 
use the gifts you were given to the max. You know, I yes. think like, yes, like I'm not a person who relaxes per se. Mm-hmm. Um, even when I go on vacation or something, I, I'm not interested in doing nothing. In fact, I like doing it like projects on vacation right. if possible. Mm-hmm. And I just think, you know, obviously I cultivated a skill, but I was also given one. So, you know, outside of like this, maybe capitalistic impulse, it's more for me a spiritual duty to, uh, you know, make the best stuff you can and make it as much as you can. And that's obviously a pressure and a burden that's stressful, but that comes with the territory. You know, you don't just get to fucking doodle all day. That's just no a hundred percent. And I, I feel like I, I really, uh, I agree with you on that. I feel very similarly. And I think I, it, in a weird way within the last couple of years, I feel like just doodling in a sketchbook. It feels more like a misuse of time than it did in the past. You know what I mean? Oh, I depending, do. depending yeah, on yeah. what time you do it, it's like, you know, just, but that, that desire to wanting to want to make something with intention or like this or that, I feel like sketchbook, like enjoyable sketchbook moments come when like, you know, you are out somewhere you're with friends or something. And it's, I don't necessarily dedicate hours to just sketch anymore. Yeah. And I, I'm not saying that's a good thing. Cause I missed the frivolity of my, well, I don't yearn for it, but like there was a frivolity about my past life where yes, the scribbling and doodling was, you might think of it as like starting a fire. I had more kindling. You know, just because I was just like, and now I'm just fucking shooting fireballs out without any real. I mean, that's it. There's so much like, I think, too, just like developing a relationship with your craft and that 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 sketchbook time is super necessary and it will always be necessary. But just the time and how you approach it, I think, changes with where you are in your practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm in my whole lifetime i've probably filled like two sketchbooks i'm very are you serious yeah like i'm and by the, no no let me clarify <laughs> I'm, I'm i mean <laughs> what i mean is like go to page one to the end and focus on that book and yeah. fill it i don't know why i'm just like ripping shit out you know putting it here yeah uh, i've like always lacked this ability and focus to just do one sketchbook whereas neve has like especially like when he was in college he just has like these you know, from first page to the last, just knocking out sketchbooks. But somehow it might be the way I play with the computer now where like the sketch, you know, is just kind of ripped up and I take a photo of it or throw it on the computer and then like quickly, you know, how digital is your process? Um, I, I would say it's about, half ish digital i couldn't give you an exact ratio i i still prefer to do a lot of the like groundwork drafting like thumbnails and then even the final piece on like physical paper um and then if i'm inking or something you know i'll prefer to do that with paper like either a a dip pen like g pen quill thing or a brush or something and getting, I, I feel like I can, uh, I feel like you can get so much more of a range of marks, the unpredictability uh, organically that doesn't quite exist in the same way for me digitally. Like I really, ex- 
respect digital artists and there are some kids that can do like crazy shit with it um so i think that's amazing but i think for me like the tactile experience of like working with something is very important and then i'll scan it and do like coloring and editing and different effects and stuff on like photoshop now procreate i've been doing a lot on procreate lately yeah i like that about the work i feel like i can see that you might say that the digital moments are chosen, you know, sparingly where necessary. Yeah, and then exactly. in terms of like working in the sketchbook or inking. Yeah. I think that comes through. No, I appreciate that. I like, I'm like Neve. I feel like uh, him and I really connected in the sketchbook front, but I have like drawers and boxes full of sketchbooks. And you focus, you go front to back. Like you can do. Uh, that. I mean, I'm yes, yeah. I have a lot that are like that, but I also have a lot that are like the last twenty pages or the last five pages that weren't filled in or something. You know? Yeah, it's um, weird. Yeah, but I definitely do have quite a bit from front to back, and I feel like that college, likewise for me, like really got me into my sketchbook practice because you had to. The grading was really interesting um, at Camberwell because you had to show your final piece but then you had to also turn in your research that went into that piece and you were also graded on your research which coming from american schooling they don't give a fuck about that you know and it's like it just as long as your technical skills are there like this and this the final piece will grade you and then in london they were just like we don't really care about your technical skills we want to see how efficiently you communicated what you wanted but we want to see how you got there you know mm-hmm. Uh, so that was That's a big nice. shift. Yeah. And I thought that was, uh, pretty interesting. I forgot why, where I was going with that there, but that sounds like a pretty decent school experience, honestly. Yeah. It was a perfect balance. I feel like for me, it really kind of got in way of thinking. Um, and you went in, you said you, you had like, you've been drawing since you were little and you wanted to be an illustrator. Is that right? Yeah. I've been drawing as long as I can remember. And it just was something that I could do always. And I enjoyed it like during classes, just kind of anywhere I was, I would be drawing. Um, I could also like not draw, but I was kind of obsessively drawing. Um, and then it, I feel like it was always kind of the plan in high school. I was like, yeah, we'll go to college, but it always felt like this kind of soft thing. And then there was some point I did two years at Utah state university and it was either the first or second year I was working at a call center and I brought my sketchbook and I was like, man, I don't want to work a job ever again like this. Like, and I remember that's when I like really like buckled down and Mm -hmm. like dove into my shit. Yeah, it sounds like it was necessary to go to that call center. Yeah. It's yeah, good to work. It's good to work experience. shit like that. Yeah, I've had a I've had a lot of uh interesting, like random little day jobs like that. So I feel like it is it's nice even when you get bogged down by some of the the hustle uh side effects of illustration. It's like, man, okay, at least I'm like suffering for something I really love and not just like misplacing it, you know, misplacing my suffering. <laughs> No, no. Ultimately, it's if one is fortunate enough to work in any fashion in this respect, it's just a good thing. Just a blessing. No, definitely. Like, there's a lot of fucking shitty jobs out there. 
which is bizarre. And I think that's where I would like to bring it back to the kid and the, the social structures things. I just think it's so interesting. And again, I'm not like a, you know, academic or super deep thinker, whatever public, I don't know, but I would say it would be just really interesting to see what things look like based on a different framework than us. Like just being like, okay, we need to go in and labor all day. Well, I think what's going to happen is you're going to see a tr- tremendous amount of automation. Yeah. And it's not, it's UBI universal basic income. Probably. I mean, yeah, I don't even like thinking about or talking about it <laughs> yeah, and yeah. its impact, but but can you know, I ask? Oh, okay, wait. I'll let you finish, and then I yeah, have a I question just, I want to ask. Know, you know, I generally generally believe humans who are not at work, and by at work, I don't mean going to work, but like you know, interested in difficult, disciplined things, yeah, tink- tinkering. They're just dangerous. So, like, definitely, I, I do believe the devils. What did they say? The idle, idle hands, idle hands are the devil's play thing. Like, I think yeah. that's pretty true, and I think. Like, I don't know what automation will bring because I don't think people are happy just like I think over consuming is bad, too. So it's this weird, weird moment in history sometimes where it feels like there's just like insurmountable attacks on all sides. But I do think, you know, like Lord of the Rings is a depiction of I think it's like in some sense is what reality is. You know, uh, Ooh, ex- like, expand on that. <laughs> I'm well, like like Tolkien, one was Christian, and yeah. there's definitely this idea in Christianity that like, like the game isn't rigged for you to win. It, it's almost like it's you know think about it like they're the god of the religion is this dude who is doing everything right morally, and then everyone yeah. around him betrays him and shits on him. Right. And kills him. And like, that's the, that's your central narrative. Right. So that kind of sets you, I was raised Roman Catholic. So like that sets the tone for life. Right. Definitely. There's that, uh, finding the divine in like suffering and yeah. 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 And like, (laughs) and don't expect too much from one, the state, or even like your friends or, or almost anyone. It's fucking crazy. Raised in a very similar mindset. So yeah. And, and, uh, Lord of the Rings is, I think, very much like Tolkien is very, he was Christian. And that story has that feeling of like, Jesus, the odds are just awful right here. And then everyone's going to do everything they can to destroy this ring. But the assumption should be made. It's just going to keep happening. You know, like these uh, create and Star Wars, you know, like there's Mm -hmm. obviously that feeling of, holy shit, there's like this enormous empire. And then there's like 50 people flying around that's how it feels to me like trying to defeat it and i think that's just a description of life in some sense you know i know that people i know certain people have really good lives that kind of avoid that and and then some people have the opposite but all that to say like and that's why i don't want to talk about ai but there's so many (laughs) there's so many reasons you could become you know just really distraught if you think yes, about it too much and then it stops you from being a, just a good person and cheerful. And, uh, that's why I try not to overthink the whole kids thing. Cause it's just like, you know, people had kids after world war one and two, which are just like the most, and I'm saying, I'm saying like shortly after it's just like, right. Right. It's pretty fucking shocking to me. No, definitely. But I mean, like, I think it's interesting too on like, 
how applicable it is on like a personal scale and then on like a macro scale of just like uh, a species or whatever sure. in, in terms of like finding motivation or like, is there a line to say, okay, what's the point? Or like you keep going, but then like finding the why to keep going. And I think I've uh, recently I've, I'm like reading through berserk for my first time. Mm. Uh, and I fucking, I loved the point where he meets this, that one skull knight not to be a, I don't think it's a spoiler, but he like refers to guts. This, the protagonist is like struggler. And I like, I love that. And he, called like, a, he called him a, a struggler. Yeah. Yeah. There's he like refers to him. He's like something you struggler. And then like, he brings up this, like just says it in the scene, but just the, the choice of words for that. And like that character's path and the amount of, of course, berserk is just like, balls to the wall like shonen manga like gnarly but there's like something to it in the suffering and like the odds that are frankly like impossible for him to beat but he like you know walks into that yeah and i mean is it this it it will be a storm of death but take heed struggler struggle endure contend for that alone is the sword of one who defies death yes yeah, that's I've never I mean, I wish I had the money to just buy all the physical berserks. But so that's what I'm recently doing. I'm like, I'm finally going through, but I bought so many and it's not OK. I'm getting the deluxe ones, but I'm like reading them in a day. That's awesome. Yeah, it's an unbelievable. Oh, there's visual. one more. I took a, a picture of here. Uh, I think Guts is like talking to Casca or something but he's like did you know the jinx of the battlefield if you spend too much time focused on the dead or broken you'll find death perched on your shoulder and I mm. think it's that idea of just like if you're because like these things exist right like I don't think it's a bad thing to be like lost in thought or those emotions like these feelings of like insurmountable helplessness right obviously if you stay there too long it's going to affect you and that varies for person to person but I think, you know, it provides that contrast, but I'm, I'm a very big believer in that. It seems like, uh, I say that in a way of, I feel like I'm learning more and more is you do need that like movement. Like you said earlier, like the stagnation and just like sitting and thinking or like whatever, like that just brings on the opposite of life and movement. You know what I mean? Oh Yeah. I mean, anything that stagnates is typically in a bad state. Uh, And it's like why I liked making comics, you know, like, yeah, they I wouldn't say they were fun ever, but (laughs) yeah, except when I made it with Neve, like uh, maybe it was like a cheat code, you know, like making it with your good friend. Yeah, I want to ask how that process was. Well, it was delightful. I mean, we drew it. We've drawn together for so long that we we basically become a third being and just you know worked on every panel and because reading the comic i have it like i yeah the synergy you're talking about is there it feels like you were one artist doing the panels yeah i think that's the point for us you know like i do also like collaboration where it's really stark contrast where it's like you know this person clearly did that and this person clearly did the other thing but i don't know of any other book made like that but me and him have a very unique relationship but I think the struggle was reduced there. I mean, it took us like three years because we had other shit to do. But, you know, when I used to make just comics, it it was more like 
going to the, which I don't do, like going to the gym to lift weights, then yeah, I don't know, like like some enjoyable, chill yes. task. Yeah, the payoff. There's not an immediate payoff. It's just this: you need to consistently put in like work and work, and then eventually, after some time has passed, if you've been consistent, you can look at what you've done. <laughs> yeah, from like the mountaintop, you know. Yes. And, uh, for me, that that struggle entails some kind of gift to the gods or to the viewer. Like, I, I really do believe viewers like to see pain or struggle in the work. And I don't mean in some sadomasochistic way. They just want to see like, no, like, I agree. Yeah. Berserk is a good example. Like you just, if you step back, you're like, Jesus, this, this is one dude, one lifetime. The Andy. amount of pages and lines on just panel by panel. <laughs> like it's insane. It's, it's unnerving. Like I don't like, I look at that and I, I legitimately cannot conceptualize how someone physically drew that much. Ooh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> like the, the, and, and that's where I mean, like talk about a sacrifice because all of that time spent at the page is time not living kentaro miura's life you know what i mean so it's like yeah you know sometimes i wonder if there's i hope he had a good life you know um i do too i bet his back hurt his wrist hurt probably yeah i mean he could be i don't I, i don't remember the cause of his passing so maybe i don't know his physical condition but but that's the you know the hard part is when you don't have that discipline and you start doing illustration and you can make 500 bucks in like a day drawing some shit. Yeah. Um, it's really hard when your life starts to get better. And by that, I just mean like the situation, the circumstantial stuff in your life. Like maybe mm-hmm. you have a nicer place to live in and maybe now you live in a nicer city and yeah, all these things oddly start to stack up against the actual art making time. You know, maybe you have great friend, a friend group, and and, and you know the the best thing is you have great friends who are better at drawing than you that push you, for sure. Um, but I do think there's countless examples of artists getting very famous, and then it's just like life becomes the joys of life displace the joys of making the art, right? And so then I'm like, is that like, is there What's the emotion attached to that? Like, is that okay for an artist to do? Like, what is that their right to be like, you know what? I've done this. I'm going to, you know, choose to do whatever with my time. Or are they like, because of their, you know, proclivities or talents or whatever, are they like almost, are they demanded to <laughs> oh, use oh. that into the, you know? Yeah. I mean, life is very complex. So I think, it can only be judged, well, probably not by any of us, but it's sure. like, you know, case to case. I, I do think, I don't know, I hate seeing wasted talent and uh, it comes in many forms, you know? Yeah. It's really uh, tricky. That's why I admire these people who can sit down and draw a book for 50 years and it's just like this unflinching dedication to a thing. It's just so... Uh, you know, I'm not like that. Like I have an unflinching dedication to certain more abstract general concepts related yeah. to art, but 
not to like literally a character who keeps reappearing in, in the same comic. You know, that's like a restriction right. and constraint that I am too immature to accept in some ways. Mm, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Who knows? I just think there's like, like, that's so fucking crazy. Basically, he's saying like, I can find the world within Guts and Guts is enough for me to do everything I need to do in a lifetime. I yeah. think there's something really amazing about that. Same. It's like the inner world of him or just the process of it is so enriching that like, and again, I don't know his mind state. He could be a Miyazaki type guy who just like smokes and bitches about his work the whole time and being like, Oh man. And then they just make incredible stuff. Yeah, I love that about Miyazaki. Um, or he could have just been completely, you know, encaptured by her. He's probably a totally chill, nice dude who just, yeah, well, it would have been great to meet him. Have you seen, I've, I've said this to some friends, but there's this little documentary series called Udasawa no Manben. Mm -hmm. And it's this manga artist in, uh, Udasawa and he did like 20th century boys and a bunch of other famous ones. Um, but he goes around and visits different manga artists and they film their process of them working on pages and they kind of talk with each other about drawing. And the first time I had like watched those videos, it was incredible. I feel like I saw people like speaking a language that I've never like really talked with somebody. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Just their dedication and that to the line and their like world that they're building. I thought it was really interesting. Yeah, no, I got to check that out. I think I may have seen. Uh, There's one with Junji Ito. I bet you can find that one online. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, maybe Maruo. No, not Maruo. The guy who did uh, Overfiend. Mm. you know what i'm talking about the tentacle he's like the inventor of the tentacle porn or at least the oh yeah wait i think i know who you're talking about but i don't remember if they had one on him or not yeah i mean he's like a, i actually have some of his originals which cost like nothing they were like 200 dollars <laughs> somehow that's what's yeah. even crazier is like maeda toshio maeda um, oh yeah, yeah yeah i maybe maybe Super I saw colorful him. work right but like pretty violent it's everything yeah yeah it's, sure it's it's pretty wild that yeah i mean he's just like his yeah, whole career his whole career is like just been decades you know so yeah it's, uh, it's inspiring i don't really i'm not really trying to read tentacle porn at this point but i still am no, like, sure but the, there's you can respect the uh i don't know the dedication or like whatever it is that they put it into there's a certain kind of practice that they do <laughs> you know well, it's, it's even tentacle yeah, yeah. porn or something like super i don't know uplifting your educational to people i don't know it's probably even more for me i've always been attracted by these people who will sit down and use their precious life energy and talent to make super super weird stuff and japan me is, too. The, is the king of that it is there's this one artist let me i'm gonna walk to my bookshelf real quick that i've been reading recently because i've only seen his stuff translated um just recently what's his name daisuke ichiba i know how do you spell that um d-a-i-s-u-k-e and then Ichiba, I-C-H-I-B-A. Yeah. 
No, I don't know this. Oh, I've seen some of this work, but well, well, I've, uh, I've got about particular. like three books of his and it's just like really kind of crude drawings, like hmm. very nonlinear storytelling, just like bizarro madness. But there's something about it that's like, I don't know. So it does this, something, you know, in terms of inspiration, people you're looking at right now, is this one of them? Um, I don't know. Not so much in terms of inspiration for my work. I think there's a certain energy, like with the freeness of him expressing an idea. I think I really respect that. Just like the willingness to dive into absurdity, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, I think I respect that about him for sure. Um, and that like not being attached to the refineness of his drawings. I think I've loved that too. After like, I don't know. It's like you see with, uh, I know I mentioned Sheila earlier or, um, Picasso or whoever, how their work is like when they're younger or whatever is like really tight and technical. And they, you see them kind of exploring more with either abstraction or like the looseness of their stuff. I think in music too, I really enjoy that. I think that's what I like a lot about like jazz shit and like different things is these like technically competent people that like choose to not <laughs> play in that fashion that, or they do, they, they use that technicality, but just go into the abstraction, you know? Yeah. I think often they hide their technicality in a way that other artists can see, but um, non-artists don't see, which is often a good thing. Right. And that's what I like. I think there's a element of me that would like to be more comfortable with that and being like, I really want to dive in and explore certain emotions or methods and, absolutely shed any kind of you know what is this group of people will it be received or not or whatever you know kind of outside of this illustrator world that i've been living in where it's like you're doing client work you're doing this and this it's important you know how people receive something so yeah i find that artists often get hung up on that but usually when they you know step outside of it yeah. they probably get less likes but they'll have some breakthroughs you know Definitely. So I encourage that. Like, I don't know. I think sometimes people are a little more flexible than one imagines in terms of like the people who actually like your work. You yeah. yeah. You know, there might be people. It's the same for music, right? People might like the first couple albums of someone and then, you know, it just happened to fit their preferences at the time. But as the artist grows decades at a time, like, they don't like the artists per se. They liked what was coming out right then and there. And then there's right. people and who are think, hardcore. Yeah. I think that's the type of uh, viewer. However, the person is receiving the art is, is it is someone receiving something to just kind of eat something real quick. They're looking for a snack or is, are they kind of person that's like, even if it is a snack, they're like, okay, what's the ingredients? Like, you know, true. That's, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. A little more involved. Yeah. So with this comic book, is this one of your major side personal projects? Yeah. So I, I initially like had this idea for the comic back in like 2015, I think. And for a long time, it's just been like sketchbook sketches of characters and different outlines that I've written and rewritten a bunch of times and, you know, kind of these attempts. Um, and 
I feel like I've gotten to the point. I drew the first part of that part one, um, maybe like 2019, I think right before the pandemic kind of hit. And then I finished, um, the second part of it of, uh, maybe like six months ago. So I feel like I've finally gotten to this point where I've been in the world enough in my head and that over planning is complicating the process. So I'm just sitting down and drawing it out now um, without any really kind of plan. So I'm just like trying to feel the rhythm of the story and uh, yeah, just make sure the feelings are there and not like try and serve something too intentionally or like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I get that. It can become restrictive when you, when your head is ahead of your hand in that sense. If you exactly, you have this, it becomes a slave to mm-hmm. the process. It just doesn't, I mean, again, there's people who can do it and they can do it well and they can do it in a fluid, convincing way. I totally. don't know how it's never been how I make a comic. I just kind of push forward. And interestingly enough, that's how Miyazaki makes movies. Like, and it's why the endings of some of his films are not really good and i say yeah that, you know like he doesn't make of course he doesn't make bad films he's ridiculous sure but there are times where you're just like huh and it's because he just moves forward in the film you know he doesn't he wants to be surprised yes well. and i think i think sorry i'm like shouting there i'm like i think that's the one thing i love about drawing is that surprise that you can bring yourself and i've like i'm working on a project right now for a visualizer for an artist and I'm animating and you're just drawing the same frame. I'm not an animator. Like my full deepest respect to animators. Like it's such a labor intensive, like gnarly practice. It's yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It's hard to draw the same thing over and over when I think I, I do enjoy that surprise of making an image or like following a story most. Yeah, no, no, no. It's, even in a comic, I don't want to draw the same person over and over. Right. It's like a, some strange hang up. But what is the end goal? Like, looks like it's like 50 ish pages. At the yeah. Moment. That, that first part's like 50 ish, 53, 54, who knows, um, pages. And, the I think it's going to be about four or five parts. I don't know. However long really the story is going to take, it could be shorter than that or longer. Um, but I mean, the the plan is to, I would ideally like to f- find a publisher um, for it. And I've been looking around. Um, I've had an agent, but mm, it's been a very slow process. And she's kind of more in the novel world. And so I'm uh, assessing my options here. But it's it's one that I'm not like trying to rush to get out. I just like, this is my project that's completely mine, you know? Mm-hmm. And I feel like I want to take time uh enough time to like make sure it's what i am hoping for it to be or or something um is it the not, longest not comic much time to have me not make it you know of course of course it's the longest comic you've worked on yes yeah it is and uh so i feel like it's been a big learning process for me to spend so much time on one project and uh like you said, it, it kind of, you find different parts of your practice through doing it. And, uh, yeah, no, I'm like, 
I'm almost excited to see what the end thing is going to look like. So I'm kind of waiting on myself of being like, all right, man, when are you going to finish your projects? I want to, I want to see where this goes, you know? Do you have a page count that you're shooting for? No, I mean, a loose projection might be 250, somewhere between 200 and 300 pages, maybe. Oh, nice. I like the ambition. Yeah, no, it's definitely ambitious. <laughs> um, but that's, that's the thing is if, uh, if I can get a publisher's eye on it or something, or even if I do it, uh, release it myself, there's the possibility of releasing it in parts, even though the main thing at the end in my head is a, you know, completed novel, but I don't know, that's the bringing it out to people in the physical sense. I don't know which is the best route nowadays with internet and publishers. I feel like the old way of doing things makes you want some validation of being like, you know, I have a a book on image or dark horse or something, Mm -hmm. but it's like, it may not even make that much of a difference anymore. (laughs) Yeah, no, I would, I would just, just do it three, do 300. Yeah. I think it's really good to have a, really tangible component to the project that you know either did or you didn't do yet right and you let all the other kind of um, abstract things play out within that tight framework that's just going to take a while though not to discourage you i'm just being real Oh, trust me. I know it's already taken much longer than I thought it would in the beginning. And I feel like I've hit this level of patience with it where I'm like, okay with that. And I'm okay with the timing. Um, like, obviously I feel like I'm gearing my work to try and get me in a spot where I can build up enough that I can take on, take off like a good chunk of of time to like dedicate to the comic. Um, but yeah, man, right now I'm just working on it where I can. Is it all just inked? Is there this reason? one? Yeah, no, this is a hundred percent just ink on paper. I will, uh, there will be a colored version at some point. I'm trying to decide. I, I, I think I want to color it, but then I imagine that process and I'm like, Oh, that's just a double. That's <laughs> like drawing the comic twice, but then with the colors. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so I'm just it's, like, it's Oh thing. my God, the, the physical limits, limitations. I mean, you could do reduced color like black and red. Yeah, you know, true. That, that's kind of a nice look. But very true. Nice when you make real pages because you can sell them. Yeah. So right now I've got a little binder full of drawings and just like, I don't know. That's another thing I need to figure out more is just like this mass accumulation of drawings that I'm finding myself hiding under. Right, right, right. So what's you, I mean, in terms of where you're trying to go, what's the, what's like the the biggest ambition? That's a good question. I feel like, uh, in my twenties, I could have answered that quickly or been like, I want to do this, that. And I feel like I don't have something necessarily specific in mind right now, but other than ways that I want to express myself, like I find enjoyment in doing new projects. Right. So like, Mm -hmm. I love doing this stuff in music. Um, the comic I'm loving that. Like, I'm I'm trying to think of other, the stage design was really fun. Like I love that just cause it was a new project too. And then I think as long as I'm just trying 
something new, then I hope that I will be like satiated. But for me, it's definitely chasing that. Like I want to make something new and to test myself and my capabilities. Like truthfully, I imagine uh, I want to do like a show of this comic when I finish it. Um, I think either animation or stop motion or in some capacity, I think it could be interesting to go into filmmaking. I have some friends that do that and have some conversations with them and just realizing that it's not that far off from (laughs) making Mm -hmm. a comic, you know? So that could be a, an interesting route in the future. But honestly, yeah, man, I just want to be engaged in my work. I want to be like growing, doing as best as I can. And I don't know, truthfully, yeah, have fun, make something I can hopefully be semi proud of, you know? I respect that. I mean, it sounds like the comic is that thing. Yes, as of right now. And that's where we'll like, I know there is going to be life after the comic, hopefully. Um, (laughs) You know, hopefully. (laughs) There, there is. I'll keep going. There is life after comics. (laughs) But um, yeah, no, I, the comic's great. I'm just making something. I feel like for me, the, just the process of making art or being involved with it around you has really kind of taken on, like you said, this, this like spiritual kind of role in like feeding you in such like a a crazy time. It does feel like you've seen those memes, right? Where it's like the world burning or whatever. And it's like people shouting like, Hey, buy my prints or something. No, well, world. I'll have to send you some. I think I get it. But yeah, no, there's definitely moments where you feel like that, where you're like, God damn it. Like, there's so much stuff happening and I'm just like making these funny drawings. But also I think that's too much pressure to put on yourself to be like, well, if you, if you weren't drawing, you could definitely, you know, fix yeah, everything. It's confusing, but there is a kind of a weird arrogance to thinking you can fix the world or change yeah. it even, but you don't, but it's also a very, I don't know. I don't fully believe what I just said. Cause that's completely disempowering. But I think the truth is like, you can change the world for, the better but like in a really 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 small way a hundred percent and the hope is that that then keeps dominoing to others but yeah i just don't think we're meant to even know about that much like bullshit but yeah i never believed that that shit where people would be like can you believe that like how am i supposed to make art after this or that tragic event it's like what the f- that's the yeah, whole what, point yeah what are you gonna do like <laughs> what else are you gonna do <laughs> like i don't know you're it's, not it's gonna go like, and like help out the people in that immediate vicinity it's exactly like, uh, you know but also like there's literally horrible shit happening everywhere all the time it's just a matter of like literally trying to know about it so you could be yeah. making that argument all the time and no and and really and i think too i think especially you know, as time progresses. And I think even with this AI stuff, I think, I think that makes us so uncomfortable, at least as an artist, because it kind of, it forces you to confront, like, why are you making this stuff? Like, does it matter if something else can make it better than you? Why does that make you feel bad? You know, like, and just kind of like getting to this, (laughs) the core of those emotions and kind of your own insignificance in a way that is empowering enough for you to be like, man, okay, I am in this physical body. I guess I can do 
these things relatively well? How far can I like take this and, you know, yeah, and not, I, I, that's not point. tie it to, I don't know, necessarily the outcome so much as really the participation of the process. Yeah. The way I see it is process is a, is a personal selfish concern in some ways. Yeah. And then the, because think about it, like there's so much art, contemporary art that's based on process that no one, like who gives a shit? It's like, I don't care how you made the thing that I'm now looking at. Right. I think there's something weirdly narcissistic about that. Like as a viewer, I just care about essentially what is being viewed. You know, that's that's the ideal that the art, is strong enough in that way process be damned you know like processes for is like exercise for the artist that's a great thing but i'm always suspicious when the when i'm supposed to be told that like this artwork is relevant because of how it was made not by you know what i'm seeing oh yeah no that's the no that's definitely it can't lift all of that on its own yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, the AI is a little frightening in the sense of that in some ways, right? Like, right. Um, I'm not sure Ooh. that most people give a fuck about how art is made, who are, like, consuming or using it for illustration, and that's kind of the scarier part to me. Right. So, like, commercially, it's terrifying. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's yeah. A, a, a fully that shit can take you out of a job. But I think for me, whereas I feel like... I've attached drawing to just like myself and just being a human. I feel like that may fuck me up commercially and I'll figure that out when I have to. But for me and my relationship of art, I would like to think that hopefully it won't affect that too much. Totally. I think that's the, it's just cool when you can actually do commercial work as an artist to sustain the other stuff. And I mean, you know, shit changes. So I'm, I'm just real curious to see, like if editorial illustration is just wiped. So out, in that, you know, could definitely see, see that happening and maybe not. And I, I think to your point earlier, not in the dark sense of people love to see the suffering, but I think especially as AI comes, maybe, maybe some people will recognize the effort and suffering that goes into making work and will maybe, uh, you know, try to champion <laughs> shittier <Wow. human-made> artwork. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's the truth. It'll become like a boutique. Exactly. God damn. But here I am talking about AI. So, uh, it's not what I wanted to do. My bad. Just, My no, bad. No, that's not it's, I mean, it's a real thing. It's <laughs> on the horizon and like funnily enough, like it's affecting artists and who thought like, at least for me, like 10 years ago, five years ago, I never would have thought it would merge worlds, you know? Yeah. I don't think I was, in, in, in essence, I think we all thought our jobs were safe. And I think that's that's the naive part, you know, like. Yeah. Or even I think maybe, too, for me, there's like this inherent non-safeness that I've accepted as choosing to do this path that mm. there's kind of like I chose a path of chaos. So kind of more chaos isn't going to make a difference to me. Good point. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that is a good point. It's like so... The future is so unreadable and yeah i try to emphasize yeah i mean typically if you're creative and generative like you can do a lot of different things it's not just uh the one job that 
is going to get displaced or replaced. A hundred percent. My fear, my only fear in that equation really is like, if people can discern the difference between, you know, like a human made thing and a computer made thing, like, especially like, imagine you were born today. Right. And then as you grew as a human, like a lot of the things you saw were generated by AI. Yeah, no. Um, and, it, and maybe that's going to be super difficult. Maybe there will be classes where some old head is going to teach the young kids how to be like, all right, kids, this is how you spot the difference. True. Um, true. But I don't know. I, I mean, right now at its current stage, you can see it with like, I always look at like the fingers or limbs. There's always some kind of uncanny Valley thing happening in AI art, um, totally, totally. which may get ironed out. And, and I mean like, that's what, again, I know, fuck, we said we weren't going to talk about this, but <laughs> with the deep fake stuff, it's just, I think our reliance on what is real or not is going to be very interesting to figure out later (laughs) yeah my optimistic take is like there's gonna be people who just abandon the internet completely because no one no information no visual data you see on it will be verifiable and so you'll just have like these kind of amish retreats where like people make paintings again and build real shit people will be tabling selling their comics yeah real stuff yeah. Like it's it's like like I'm just waiting for the first comic controversy where like you know someone makes like a best selling comic and then people find out oh they're just like written and illustrated by an AI yeah, yeah. like they they made like ten drawings to give it reference and then it just like shit this thing out you know <laughs> yeah oh my god dude but that and again that I th- I feel like that whole thing is just really forces you to confront like okay am i like am i literally just a consumer am i just eating shit or yeah like yeah. why am i looking at stuff why do i like takes things in you know so yeah, i think, yeah, I think yeah, it yeah. is definitely there's going to be multiple types of people that maybe will love that i think there's definitely going to be people you know that will have their shit. opinions against that yeah. yeah for sure whatever's the cheapest way to do an illustration yep <laughs> I mean, you have that now with Fiverr. I, I don't know, know anybody yeah. that's actually yeah. done that, but that shit's crazy to me. No, I have to compete with that for like graphic design logos sometimes. Like oh, identity. you do? I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, no, what I do is if someone's like a really bad communicator immediately, I yeah. just, it's, it's not an insult, but they definitely take it as when I just go like, yeah, you know what? I don't really think this is a good fit for us. So just go to this website and then I just link Fiverr. And <laughs> you send them to Fiverr? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I do. That's hilarious. I can tell. I can tell when someone wants like something cheap and superficial. That's its own response. You're saying something by sending them to Fiverr. (laughs) Yeah, that's hilarious. You got any jokes? I usually end it on a joke. Man, I listened to a couple of your podcasts on the joke things. I knew. I thought about it, and I was like, you know what? I just, I just don't have a joke. You're gonna pass. Yeah, I'm gonna pass, or I'm gonna tell you know, you or someone else to, you know, seek out some new comedy. Okay. Uh, and you know, take charge in finding that joke yourself. So, wow. That's, that's a bit aggressive. (laughs) I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Yeah, no, I appreciate it too. I, uh, I'm hope that we get to hang out a little bit more in the future. Next time you come back out to LA or you come out to New Jersey deal i actually haven't been i've only been to new york for a few days so maybe i, do I live like uh, 20 minutes from manhattan so 
Hey, there you go. No, I, oh, I would love to actually. I've, I've enjoyed it. Thanks for having me on here. Yeah, dude. All right, so I'll see you soon. All right, sounds good. Thanks. Peace. Bye. Music by Dory Bavarsky and Mingja Chin. Next up, we have Brad Hawk. Mm-hmm.